You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. And finally, our third sponsor is 988. The Oklahoma 988 Mental Health Lifeline, 988 is a direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with trained behavioral health professionals that can get all Oklahomans the help that they need. Learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com. That's 988oklahoma.com. And now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma Podcast. Mike Hearn here, host, back with another episode up in Stillwater today at Carson Creek to talk to you a little bit about some cowgirl golf. I have Pranilla Limburg with me, uh, excited to share some stories. We played some golf together. We won, which is uh, always nice, and uh, had a great time. And, and, you know, just it was a little cold, right, which obviously you're used to, but... It never, I mean, that north wind in Oklahoma still cuts through. But we had a great time, and I'm glad that, you know, you've given us an hour, basically, today to chat about some Oklahoma stories. So, I mean, how, I guess, to start things off, what, what are people, when, when, you, when people meet you for the first time, like, oh, cool, so you travel, what do you do? What do you tell them? Um, yeah, it's a few times when I just don't feel like it, and I I kind of tried to hold it off and I'm like yeah you know I travel a lot for work and then like don't really want to say what I do but then eventually I'm like yeah I'm a professional golfer and uh, I mean most people are like oh that's awesome that's so cool uh, but yeah on a plane if I sit next to a random person I, sometimes I just don't feel like talking and that's when I'm like we'll come up with something but I don't have any crazy stories where I'm like really gotten yeah. pushed into a corner with my with my lice but uh, no it's uh, I mean it's people are pretty intrigued usually and uh, pretty interested when, when you tell them what you do <laughs> yeah I, I mean when you traveled you kind of like you're not dressed like you are now you're like no logos just sweats and like you know you're very unassuming trying to go under the radar totally I I mean I was walking through the airport in a in a hoodie and uh, some leggings at all times and uh, it's pretty funny usually um, as a tour um, you know a lot of us girls would be on the same flight mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think anyone would ever guess like what we do because I mean, we all just dress like uh, yeah you kind <laughs> very, of le- very low key when we walk through there you kind of learned it the, you learned it early on they're like oh I'm not I shouldn't probably wear all my logos when I'm traveling because people tend to ask questions exactly <laughs> right? and uh, I mean it's uh, it's funny too because oh, as my my one lo- logo here my right sleeve uh, um, which uh, Trader Joe's I, I tend to get a lot of questions and even so often I go 
to the grocery store uh, from the golf course and wearing this logo, the amount of people that think that I'm working uh, at Trader Joe's, it's uh, it's pretty funny. It's not a bad place to be sponsored by, though. <laughs> no, not at right? all. They're awesome. Yeah, that's uh, great. I, I mean, I tend to hit Trader Joe's for, like, fruit, which I found is, like, most, you know, it's not like Whole Foods kind of, they just like, oh, you're coming to Whole Foods, we're going to charge you for just walking in the building. Trader Joe's is low-key, like, very, really Very good. good value. Yeah. So, <laughs> growing up in Sweden and playing golf, I assume, six months of the year. Not even. Not even. Uh, what was, I mean, outside of the golf then, let's go on the other side of things. What was, what did you do for the rest of the year? I would ski. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, uh, growing up, if you ask a kid, uh, if you ask me from an early age, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to be a professional skier or a professional golfer. Okay. Like I've never in my life said anything but those two things. Uh, so I was just as much into both sports yeah. uh, growing up. Um, so growing up northern part of Sweden, I would start to go up into the mountains uh, but this time of the year October time we would go up on the weekends after school on Friday um, practice uh, uh, on the on the ski slopes all day Saturday Sunday yeah. drive home Sunday night and go to school and that's what it looked like until and then obviously, like where I grew up my the ski slope would open in December okay. uh, about five kilometers from from my parents house I could see the ski slope yeah. from my bedroom window and then I always had the last race of every season. It was called the first of May trophy. It was always a weekend around May 1st. Sure. And then my first golf event, uh, junior event, would usually be like second weekend of May. So this, oh, yeah. the seasons kind of just uh, uh, overlapped. And yeah. it, was, it was ideal growing up. I had a lot of golf coaches tell me when I was young that um, I had my skiing to, to thank for my kind of strong base uh, and good balance in my golf swing. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I think it was two sports that were just uh, really good to, to yeah. combine. But then when I was about, I think, 15, I got selected for the first... Um, uh, international golf event or mm. tournaments ever um, with the Swedish national team mm -hmm. and that you know we started to travel earlier in the spring and that would cut into the ski season uh, so it just kind of felt natural that I picked uh, golf over skiing my parents were quite thankful they they always loved their golf more than skiing and yeah. they knew that uh, probably if I kept skiing I would probably have some knee surgeries by now uh, so uh, and then I moved down to uh, the southern part of Sweden uh, for high school uh, mm -hmm. just to get a longer golf season and yeah. that was probably more six months down there but yeah where I grew up the season wasn't even that long yeah what I mean, what, what, I mean obviously there's a ton of different types of skiing com competitions yes. so what was your like preferred yeah so I uh, it was all alpine skiing so you have slalom giant slalom super G downhill mm -hmm. uh, I did all of them but I slalom and giant slalom, which are more technical, not as much speed. And that's what I was better at. And I've okay. always said, I don't know if I was brave enough or stupid enough to be really good at downhill. Yeah. Because I think you need a little bit of both. Yes. Uh, and, you know, to throw yourself down a ski slope at 70 miles per hour. Uh, I just, I mean, I did it, but I, it was interesting because as a, I'm a super competitive person, but standing at the top of the mountain, knowing I had a downhill race in front of me, I thought I was going to throw up. I was so nervous every time. And golf, suddenly, like when I stood on the first tee, I never had those kind of nerves. I felt so calm because I'm like, okay, at least I'm not risking my life today. <laughs> 
that's the one thing I've never skied and that's the one thing I get the older I get the more I'm like yeah I'm gonna I'm never gonna do it right because you're just like I could have a Michael Schumacher incident right and sadly it could end up you know wherever and, and you know there's so many stories of that right Broken I know and ankles. I mean I'm uh, because of that uh, it's kind of sad but I actually haven't stood on a pair of skis for almost 10 years now just because I got to a point um where I'm like I'm not enjoying this as much mm. because I'm thinking too much about not hurting myself for my golf career. So, um, yeah, I, and I'm kind of clumsy too, so I, I probably would hurt myself. <laughs> I follow that. <laughs> I would break something for sure. Uh, so then like, sounds like you, you consciously made that decision then, you know, when you make the, the team, the Swedish national team and you're like, you're like, I'm moving to the South for high school. Like that yeah. is like, golf is going to be my thing. Yep, exactly. I always uh, prioritized uh, school as well. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to have good grades. And, you know, when I uh, went to high school at that point, my dream was to, to hopefully come and play college golf in the U.S. Mm -hmm. one day. Uh, so that was kind of where my, where my mind was at. Uh, but yeah, golf uh, from that age of like 15, 16, I was like, okay, I, I really yeah. want to try to do this. And did you have people like obviously we had Maya on the podcast and she's like, I kind of knew that there was already people ahead like yourself from Sweden and a lot of the teams that had already done it. So she, you didn't have to like, you weren't just the only one going. Was there people ahead of you that had gone as well? That you could uh, speak yeah, to? absolutely. And it's, it's pretty funny The the couple of girls that I think mm -hmm. back of, they had all gone to Oklahoma state. And I think, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. the reason I'm sitting here right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew how much they had loved it. Uh -huh. uh, I looked up to them. I saw, um, you know, what, what they were doing, they were more playing probably a European tour uh, rather than LPGA. Sure. But I'm like, I, this is so cool. They are doing yeah. exactly what I would dream of doing in the future. They all spoke so highly of Stillwater and how much they had loved it here. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I ended up here. Yeah, and, and playing for Sweden, I mean, there's nothing better than putting your country's logo on you, right, for the first time, right? And you're like, and you're nervous, you know, you, you kind of feel sick, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm playing for my country, right? It's especially, I think, in European countries. Like, I know America, like, patriotism is huge here. But because the country's so big, like, obviously, because our, you know, I think there's more of a chance for us Europeans if you're good at your sport to play for your country compared to out here, right? Just based on numbers. So when you do that and you find those friend group that consistently make the team, some of the best memories come from playing team golf, like, with you know traveling the world right it's so much fun absolutely i couldn't agree more uh, it was so special and yeah we had a great group uh kind of girls they're born the same year as me we, had, we were a really strong group there mm -hmm. uh when we were kind of our under 18 18 the national mm -hmm. team and uh yeah i made the team I think the first time was like kind of middle of a season. So I got whatever leftover uh, clothes that they had. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they hadn't ordered my sizes. And I'm looking back now, like I had the biggest, baggiest shirts, but I didn't care because they had that Swedish flag on them. And uh, yeah, it was it was really neat. And I mean, those, those same girls, um, we kept pushing each other because we were, you know, all wanting those spots to go to these uh, team events and yeah. international events. And yeah, we all pushed each other to, to get better. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, it was awesome experience. Like I, I don't think I would have gotten to the level I did without that kind mm -hmm. of system in Europe for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you know, natural progression is, you know, people at OSU, you think, 
college is great. Uh, you know, that's the next route for me and potentially living in the States, LPJ tour, that kind of thing. What did you, had you come to America before you came on a visit or did you come on a visit? Like, what was that process like? Yeah. So I, I was lucky enough where I, it was actually a college event in, that was hosted by University of Tennessee. Okay. They invited the Swedish national team to play for a few years in a row. Yeah. So like we played like as a college team, yeah. kind of. So that was my first experience of playing over here. Mm. Um, and I actually I remember now I got paired with Oklahoma State one day. So like I was out there playing with these girls. Yeah. Uh, so that was so neat. Get to see what a college event was like. And uh, you know my my big dream was absolutely to play on the LPGA tour mm-hmm. one day. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to get there? Okay, the easiest way would be go to college and then that's how I'll get to the US that's step one yeah uh, and then hopefully stay over here so um, yeah I played that event and then I think I played like one junior event in Scottsdale that I got invited to once but yeah I came on uh, three different recruiting trips mm-hmm. kind of three different schools um, LSU mm-hmm. uh, University of Arizona and Oklahoma State those three are big Swedish golf yeah. universities too right Absolutely. not just you like it seems like I mean I don't think LSU had had uh, many Swedes, if any, before me, but since then, absolutely. Uh, U of A, absolutely. Annika Sernstein went there. So uh, that was, they for sure used that a lot in their uh, recruiting. (laughs) recruiting, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But no, uh, my first visit was here to OSU. And I think as soon as I just uh, stepped foot uh, in Stillwater, especially here at Karsten, I I just knew this is where I wanted to come. Uh, So, I mean, obviously having had so many other Swedes here before me helped as well but mm-hmm. yeah just I knew if I'm moving this far away from home I'm coming here for golf yeah and this is the place I want to be to yeah. get better well I mean what do you think when you play Carson for the first time like because a lot of people like depending on the we spoke about this yesterday right depending on the weather and, and the day that you come here and how the golf course is set up could either be the best day of your life or could also ruin your career you're like I just shot 85 and I'm supposed to be good at golf I'm never coming back here yeah, right I it was probably a good thing I didn't play during my recruiting trip like okay. I only rode around the course in a yeah. golf cart so I only got to see it so that was yeah. probably like a good introduction and I, I'm never going to forget that day I was here, the men's team were out playing a qualifier and they were playing worst ball as mm. a qualifier. And Alex Noren is yeah. on the team. And I think he shot like a 75 plus three in a worst, worst ball, ball that's uh, out golf. here. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's good. I, I want to come here and see what I can do. Uh, but it took me... I'm not, I don't think I'm exaggerating. It took me my whole freshman year to learn uh, the greens out here. Because I came from slow, pretty flat greens in mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah. And if I thought it was breaking a cup, it was double that. Like my coach, she told me, she's like, whatever you think the break is, just double it. And it, I mean, that's just how long it took me to figure right. out, like playing on faster, slopier greens. But I'm thankful for that now because that's what we play on tour. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's and and a lot of people like I struggled with this Bermuda grass, like trying to chip out here. I used to hit in bump and run, like because on you know firm links fairways you can putt from hundred yards out. You come out here and I'm like, I almost double hit it from a foot off the green, like and you can't putt out through Bermuda grass either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was yeah, everything was a big adjustment. Uh, but these Zoysia fairways out here at Karsten, they they made me spoiled because the ball yeah. sits up so well mm-hmm. that. Like my whole career now, if I sum it up as a pro golfer, like, yeah, I've been living on my putting. My ball striking is probably not the best. And I kind of joked and said, I didn't have to 
be an amazing ball striker here because the ball is sitting sitting teed up on these fairways so uh, that's something I've had to work on and I just think yeah we got spoiled with how good the ball is sitting on these yeah. fairways what did you think I mean obviously being a European as well like kind of nightlife is a big part of our life growing up right it's kind of you know we, we always kind of socialize out and I think it, I think generally the way we explain it to us, it's not a big deal. But to Americans, it's like, oh my gosh, you sound like a drunk. You know, like, what do you mean he went out every weekend? I was like, that's all we kind of had to do. What was that nightlife like coming here as a, you know, a Swedish college athlete growing up in Europe, whereas, you know, the Americans and it's totally different, right? It's all also a totally different drinking culture, right? We day drink generally. Exactly. Because of process for eight hours or whatever. Whereas out here it's like, okay, we'll start at 10 and we'll be destroyed by midnight, right? What was it, that like for you coming yeah, here? Yeah, I... Um I think the biggest challenge was obviously I was a legal drinking age back yeah. home and then I came here and I suddenly felt like a 16 year old a child. again. Yeah. 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 Uh, but so so that was different uh, and at the same time I was like yes I liked to go out and have fun. Mm. I was so determined with my golf that I was that boring student athlete yeah. that I was like school and homework and golf and yeah. that's really what I cared about but saying that like we when when I was here in school the men's team and the girls team we were really close so you know we would uh, for sure mm. uh, have a lot of fun on the weekends uh, and go out but yeah. not to the extent of most college students because right. uh, it's I, rem I think it was once in my four years uh, here at college that I was so hungover and tried to come out here and play for fun like on early on a Saturday morning I teed off on 10 and it was like I hit my drive I hit my second shot turned around and <laughs> I'm like no I'm not doing this ever again uh, but you know I that. wanted to show up yeah. out here early on the weekends mm. and actually want to practice uh, so yeah. that's uh, you know that's probably why I didn't have as many late nights down on the right. street here in Stillwater as most yeah. college Yeah, fine balance, yeah. right? Well, you're a college athlete at the end of the day. Like, you can't, you know, what part of me thinks, like, what if I wasn't, like, what would I have done if I didn't have golf in college? I would have been so bored, right? Because you're like, uh, other people who don't do, they like, you have so much time to do stuff. What do you I, do? You know, I, I remember me and one of my teammates, she was very determined, both on the golf course and in school as well. And, you know, we always wanted great, good grades and we were looking at all these regular students yeah. and we're like, how can you be failing? You have all the time in the world. Here we are, we have team workouts, we have practice, we're playing, we're yeah. leaving for tournaments and we still have good grades. I'm like, what do you actually do? And kind of like, right. as in like kind of joking too, but yeah. we're like, you have all the time in the world. <laughs> you mentioned you guys are pretty close with the guys team. Guys team was pretty, I mean, they were always stacked, but like you had a pretty legendary guys team that, so that they period, were, right? They were so good yeah. uh, when I was here. And I I, th I mean, that was probably one of the like neatest things with my experience mm -hmm. here. Cause it's just talking to friends at other schools. They were not necessarily mm -hmm. hanging out much with the men's team or practicing much, but we did, we were really close. And just to be in that environment, you know, Ricky was here at the same time as me, mm -hmm. uh, Morgan Hoffman, Peter Uline, Kevin Tway, like they were all here and obviously all made it out on tour yeah. uh, so be out uh, to play and practice with them that's, uh, that's special it's a pretty good environment yeah. to be in <laughs> when you and Ricky are like the same height too right <laughs> uh, yeah probably pretty close <laughs> to it which but I'm glad to see him like playing good golf now it's great oh I was I, I was better. rooting for him so hard this past yeah. weekend over in Japan uh, but yeah and it's it's fun 
so many people like when they find out that we were here at the yeah. same time they're like so is Ricky really as nice of a guy as he comes across I'm like yeah he's even better in person yeah. uh, and uh, so yeah I am super, so happy yeah. to see him playing well that's again that's awesome but so for the, to the college days then what I mean is there a tournament you look to, forward to every year or just little things that you like most people would think it's this but actually no I love doing this instead like what would like the highlights for you oh I I mean first of all I feel like I was pretty fortunate with us being kind of in the middle of the country we traveled just as much east as we did west which okay. I thought was really cool you know we got to experience courses all over the country mm-hmm. while I feel like a lot of my friends who went to east coast schools they really just kind of stayed on the east coast or the same with the west coast schools um, but um, I we got to go out to Hawaii a couple of times uh, to play an That's event awesome. out there. That was really cool. Um, I it's funny as a golfer, you just you tend to remember places you played really well and like have good memories from mm-hmm. there. I always loved going out to ASU's tournament. We tend to we played really well out there every year. But it really then like the postseason with. Um, regionals and nationals Mm -hmm. um that was kind of you know as a team what we were working towards each and every year um but so that's uh i have some of my for sure like best memories uh from from those uh, events and uh, i i would say really one of the main reasons i stayed here for four years was uh Donnie Dar and Alan Bratton, who are now the, the men's head coach and men's mm-hmm. assistant coach, they were my two assistant coaches for the four years that I was okay. here. And they are just the best the best coaches. And so, so many good memories with them on the road. They made uh, some, some stupid bets with us that they, I think, ended up having to regret. I think both of them lost... At different times, they're like, okay, if you girls win this week's event, I'm going to give up Diet Coke for a year. I think they both uh, had to do that uh, at separate times. So those were, those were big losses for them. Yeah. Coaching, I mean, I have a lot of appreciation for coaches because I, mean, it's so, it's, I think coaching is more stressful than playing golf. Right? You, you probably ask because like, you don't really have any control. Right. And sometimes when nobody listens, it's really annoying. uh, Because that's, I mean, the same if I'm out, the few times I'm actually out watching golf, if I'm watching some of my close friends from outside the ropes, I get more nervous because, yeah, it's like I I have no control. At least when you're playing yourself, you, I mean, you kind of feel like you're, I'm not that you ever feel that you're in control of golf, but yeah. <laughs> a little bit more at least. Would you do? Would you ever think about doing that? And like in 20, 30 years, you're like, you know, what? I think I could coach. I'm not sure it's for no. me. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I really I haven't put that much thought into it, but it's. I think you for sure need to have something in you where you're like really enjoy the the coaching bit and I'm not sure I do but I haven't put too much thought into it yet yeah Uh, but still just coming back here to Stillwater right now and you know being back in this atmosphere it is special Uh, so I mean I could I can see how that really kind of that people kind of gravitate back to it yeah Uh, but yeah I'm just too too focused still on like me playing myself yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like so far but so I haven't put too much thought into it the uh, the assistant coach is the perfect place to be right because yeah. you can Not just like pop in and out like you just kind of you know like keep everyone in like you don't get yeah that's I'd much prefer to be assistant than head coach for sure <laughs> uh, what did you think of like kind of Stillwater when you first came here with like the whole country music cowboy scene like it's probably nothing you've ever experienced before right it was a big culture shock it really was <laughs> I mean I'm never gonna forget like at the start, I'm, 
where where I lived on campus and then mm -hmm. I had to walk to classes, I would walk past these girls in cowboy boots, big belt buckles, these like girls that are smaller than me being driving these big pickup trucks. Like I I mean, I just had never seen anything like it. Uh, so it helped that, you know, I had a couple older Swedish players around, uh, another Swedish girl that came in at the same time as me. Um and that the coaches were probably used to having some Swedes here too, so they could kind of help explain what, what we were seeing and experiencing. Um, but no, it was, uh, I mean, probably coming, growing up in one of the most liberal countries in the world, coming to Stillwater, Oklahoma, it was a huge change. But it's just, I mean, for, for you and for most people listening mm -hmm. to this, it's like people in Oklahoma are just so friendly that it's I just had the best experiences it didn't matter that I didn't like country music it didn't matter that I didn't know you know a lot of the things that were yeah. going on like people are just so welcoming did you go to any like the I mean I'm trying to I mean do, do you get into the two-step thing like I, I can remember like one or two nights uh, I would say in my first must have been the, yeah my first couple of years we went to the the tumbleweed yeah uh, uh -huh. and did some two-stepping so I mean uh, it was I mean, it was fun, but yeah, I never, I mean, people probably turned this podcast off right now and like never want to speak to me again <laughs> when I say that I'm still not into country music. No, you don't own a pair of cowboy boots? <laughs> so, no, I no. don't. Uh, but uh, it's, I still like, I, I just had the best experience. I've been telling so many people, if I was to go back, do it all again, you know, choose school again, like I... Is I wouldn't change anything. Um, I would still be coming here, but yeah, just never got into the country music. Yeah, I mean that's fine. I mean I, <laughs> I I don't mind it, but I'm not like someone who I own I own one pair of cowboy boots. I'm actually wearing them right now, um, and I bought them the day before I flew home my senior year because I was like I got to buy them just to go home, just to be like I you know. And it was quite a shock to my parents when I showed up, and I was like an inch taller than I was, you know, before I left. And they were that, like, "That's awesome." Have you grown? I was like, "No, but check these out." And, you know, and I just like rolled my jeans up, and they were like, "Whoa, those are some. That's something." Uh, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, you're right though, saying like Oklahoma's just the nicest place, right? It's the nicest people. Like they just. It's hard to explain it unless you've been here. It it right? really is, and I don't know if it's just with also being a small college town here it just it, like even now coming back even mm -hmm. though it's over 10 years ago i graduated like it's still people welcome me back like it's home yeah uh, it's it is really special yeah so then you have a pretty decent college career have a great time and, and obviously the plan is to still be on tour how do how early do you start that process of thinking like I'm gonna I'm gonna play on tour with I mean as an international like the visa situation and then you know funding all of that stuff like because it's not not an easy thing to do especially when you're an international how how early does that process start and then how you know how did that process go Yeah, I don't know exactly like when everything started, but I do know in like October my senior year I went to Q school for what was then called the Futures Tour mm -hmm. uh, which is now the Epson Tour the step under the LPGA Tour back then it actually worked out really good for me because they they had separate Q schools like LPGA Q school was oh, one wow. thing and Futures Tour Q school was one thing yeah so I um I had a really busy uh, fall semester then my senior year because I remember I went to Australia to play the World Am and then came back from there and then it was like straight down to Florida to play 
this uh, Q School for Futures tour. And the good thing was I could play it as an amateur. I finished second there and I didn't have to turn pro right away to then like be able to use that status the following summer. Mm -hmm. So you know, I stayed my whole senior year, played NCAAs in May, uh, my senior year, and then came back to Stillwater, uh, packed up my stuff on campus, and a week later made my pro debut in Iowa on the Futures Tour. And uh, so I could, um, so I missed like the fur, the whole spring. I probably missed about 10 events on the Futures Tour. Yeah. Uh, and then just played that whole summer and played good enough to get into LPGA final stage of Q School in that fall. So for me, it turned out to be a really seamless mm -hmm. transition that way, yeah. uh, where I had somewhere to play right away. Um, and I remember spring break, my senior year, the whole week, mm -hmm. I was just sitting putting together documents to apply for my visa. <laughs> and I also remember the process to play on the Futures Tour. I had to, like, I actually had to write a check for my first four entry fees while oh, I was yeah. still in school. And the entry fee for Futures Tour event at the time was $500. Yeah. So I had to write a check for 2000 bucks when I'm still in school for the first four <laughs> pro events I'm about to play. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, all of that, I was, um, you know, doing um, as I was wrapping up right. my senior year here but oh to me it turned out to be a very you know smooth easy transition yeah. uh, I wish obviously it was that easy for everyone I know how, how hard it can be with like when are you turning pro trying mm. to find somewhere to play but yeah, yeah it was about as seamless as it could have been for me and that's awesome that, that summer playing on the futures tour was I played 10 events out there I uh, uh, had a good summer it was a perfect transition where it's like okay this is uh, a good place to learn what pro golf is but i also don't want to be out here uh for too long because uh lpga is where i really want to be and the it was pretty cool uh so my first couple of years on tour um i still based myself here in stillwater because stillwater was the <laughs> only place in the u.s that i knew as home yeah. And uh, it was actually an, an advice uh, that I got from um, uh, Coach uh, Bratton. Uh, he said, when you turn pro, try to keep as much as possible the same. He said, too many people suddenly when they turn pro, they move to a new place, they get new golf clubs, they uh, start working with a new coach. And he's like, obviously what you've been doing so far has been working really well to get you to this level. So try to keep as much the same as possible. Uh, so, you know, I really listened to that advice. So I based myself here in Stillwater to start off with because I knew this is the only place I knew people. I had a great place to practice. And uh, then um, that fall, when I was waiting for final stage of LPGAQ school, uh, my good friend Karin Shodin, another Swedish player who had played here at Oklahoma State, she was playing out on the LPJ tour. She needed a caddy over in the Northwest Arkansas mm -hmm. LPJ event, and I uh, went over to caddy for her. Uh, so that was my first time being inside the ropes uh, at an LPJ event, and I was yeah. like, okay, this is really cool. This I want to be here yeah. playing next year. Yeah. And, uh, and then That's I made really it through cool. Q School a few weeks after that. Yeah. Tell me about World Am, because Sweden and the US and OSU, I think, has been pretty successful over the years going uh, at World Am. I mean, they've, 
you know, they're either in top three for most parts. And just looking at the list on the guy's side anyway, because I know it's the Eisenhower Trophy for the guy. What is it for the girls? Uh, it is. What's it oh, called? now you're putting me on the spot. I cannot even remember yeah. what it's called on the women's side. Um, but uh, who was who was the other two teammates? So Anna Nordquist and Caroline Headwell. So we were pretty, pretty stacked. stacked. Team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we played there in 2008 in Australia, and uh, we dominated. I have to say. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah, we Brilliant. did. It was uh, looking back at it. It was. It's pretty funny, but so it's three players. The two best scores count each mm-hmm. day, and uh, my score didn't count a single day. But, which I felt kind of bummed about. Yeah. But then one of my uh, coaches told me that, Nilla, you know that even if we had taken away our best score each day and counted yours, we you would st- still have won. Oh, so that made me feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty epic. So I think Anna and Caroline finished like first and second or first and third or something like that individually. I finished like 15th and I was like... The, the that's <laughs> like, as far as a team goes, that's... That's pretty good going. Yeah. Right? So, so that that was my only World Am that I played, uh, but it was a pretty neat experience. And it's cool because where we played at the Grange in Adelaide, I've actually been back there since uh, to play the the Australian Women's Open, and mm-hmm. they've had a, a tour event there a couple yeah. of times. So, so good memories from that place. I found the name. It's the Esperito Santo yes, Trophy. There you go. There you go. I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I. <laughs> the kind of funny thing why I played it in Japan in 14 and obviously the women play the week before right so yep. we show up kind of halfway through the women's week and then get some prep in and then the guys play and we show up in Japan there's TV cameras everywhere and I'm like this is amazing first tee guys camera's gone nobody was there no TV stations it was just like I mean it was like four people around the tee box I was like where is everybody like you know, because as a, as a guy, you're like, oh, well, the guys are more important, blah, blah, blah. And like all of that stereotypical stuff, right? Not in Asia. That Women's just, golf is, I is it, say, right? You, you got to experience it first. I couldn't believe there. it. It's, I, I've been lucky and fortunate enough to play quite a bit in both Japan and Korea. And in particularly those two countries, mm. women's golf is, is the thing. I yeah. mean, they... They love their women's golf. So, I mean, on TV, uh, if it's a men's event and women's event on at the same time, the women's event will be the one that's shown. Uh, and I mean, it just uh, when we show up there for uh, professional events, they they treat us like superstars. It's amazing, yeah. Right, really and I think cool. even this weekend, like I heard that like the Zozo wasn't even on TV over there. That's <laughs> uh, that's what I I heard. That crazy? Uh, I heard that too, and I think it was like a women's event that was being shown instead. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean. Damn, I just pulled the Sweden one last year as well, by the way. They did, yeah, they yeah. did, yeah. We, we've uh, had some good success there. I mean, and obviously, we talked about this yesterday, Swedish golf is dominating. Yeah, it's, like, uh, so I mean, good. it's, I'm saying, like, it's gone in waves, but it's like, <laughs> the dips haven't been very, very low. Mm. But uh, these last few years, the, the girls team like under 18 we knew that they were coming up and they were really really good they've been dominating the european team girls championship and then that generation they're the ones that just turned pro now with yeah. maya and lynn and frida Schinholt and yeah, yeah like they they are really good and it's cool because when i came out um, i mean then it was me and anna and caroline headwell we were kind of the same generation mm-hmm. and then before us you know the 
at the out on tour it was Helen Alfredson and Annika and Sophie mm-hmm. Gustafson and Mimi uh, Yorth. They all probably looked up to us and were like, "Oh wow, these new young girls are coming," and that's the way we're looking to yeah. uh, to this this next wave now. And uh, yeah, it, it's impressive how many good golfers yeah. uh, we managed to produce. Are you as like a, you know as like a, a tall pro and a, obviously a former team player? Are you involved with developing when you have time? with the Swedish stuff like because because the one thing like when I look at Welsh golf it's terrible Uh, and just there's no like you know you look at other countries and they consistently develop good players and there's a system in place Ireland England you know like even Scotland like everywhere Wales doesn't and even though Sweden Sweden is still a small kind of populated country as a golf nation, like you guys rock. So there's something that's right. Yeah, I mean the federation has just been so supportive. I mean it's a good from an early age. We just have a good system of junior events and how you kind of feed up through the system, mm. playing at a more local level to regional level to national level, national team. And then the the way that I would say I've probably been involved is usually when we do maybe the Swedish team might do some camps uh, in the U.S. in the off season, mm-hmm. and it will be a mix of some of the best amateurs as well as us pros. And I mean, just to be there in that same environment, us sharing some of our stories, uh, you know, helping them out on what's next for them. It's uh, I think Swedish golfers in general are really good at giving back that yeah. way. And uh, the way our coaches kind of work to our national team coaches. Um, so my coach, um, he he has been the national team coach for 10 plus years. So, you know, him coming out to events at the highest level with me, the amount of majors he would have been to together with me. Then he goes home and shares that with the uh, other coaches at, uh, that are coaching younger players at home and, you know, saying like, I mean, from, from every kind of like, these are the kind of shots that girls yeah. uh, need at the highest level to just thinking about how to plan a season or to how to travel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah, so it's yeah. really like, we're good at going home, taking home that information and sharing it to the younger right. players. That's yeah. so cool. It's such a great resource to have, right? And like the good thing about technology social media you're all kind of you they can reach out to each each other right you're all kind of in touch right? yeah exactly I mean, we're, so we're cool. just not i mean we're, no one is really that far away anymore right yeah you're like i mean i don't know if you do but it would be great to have like a giant whatsapp group text of all like the amazing golfers that can come and go right like, <laughs> exactly you know, and, like, uh, and that's uh, it's kind of the same um, same like now i'm here uh, in stillwater this mm-hmm. week and my my kind of only thing that I'm planning on doing is to hang out with the yeah. with the women's team these next few days. I, I was at team workouts with them this morning and uh, I'm going to... Did you dominate? I mean, most of these exercises were new to me, so yeah. I needed so, some guidance, but uh, Jay Moore told me I did yeah. okay. It's changed a lot, I guess, since you were here, right? With just so, strength workouts and stuff. And yeah. I mean, even like, obviously the guys game, everyone's like, you know, bombing, whatever, but even the girls game now, like you've got people out there, I mean, kind of Lexi was probably the first one, right? And Laura who we saw yesterday was like just big hitting but you know it's i think i love watching women play golf because i learn more watching the women than i do the guys because i'm like tempo and get in the right place and short game is you know is the is yeah it's everything. yeah we were talking about that when i was leaving yeah, workouts this morning mm-hmm. that it's changed so much i mean day more now it's very golf specific mm-hmm. uh, it's like how do we learn to create speed and yeah. uh, when i was so i mean now 15 years ago when i was here in school 
we the good thing is we we did work out really hard mm-hmm. uh, which has been very beneficial for me i was already into working out yeah. before coming here but uh it still set a good base for before i came out on tour i wasn't scared of you know, right. working out to the point that I got sore because right. that's what I did in college I would yeah. work out hard in the morning and then have to go play qualifying mm-hmm. in the afternoon so then when I was on tour I'm like I don't care if I work out hard today um, even though I have a tournament tomorrow but it's when we it wasn't golf specific back then yeah. I mean we did the same kind of lifts not with the same weights obviously but as the football team um, so that's it's just gotten so much more golf specific and then the, the biggest difference now like all the young players that come out on tour they all hit it far yeah and uh, it's just it's just such an em- empathy on it like they mm-hmm. they tried to learn to hit it far for us it was like no make sure you hit it straight and then yeah. we might be able to add so- some speed to that but now right. it's like no speed we'll figure out how to hit it straight yeah later on. yeah uh, well, so yeah. no i um, when i came out on tour i was for sure like probably like top 20 in driving distance I'm very average now mm-hmm. like it's just it's changed a lot in the last 10 years on the women's side too yeah. but it's it's fun to hear you say and I've heard it from so many especially like pro-am partners that they they do feel like they can relate more to the women's game mm-hmm. and I think most amateurs can mm-hmm. I love watching the guys too but they're like superheroes right. like we can't relate to their games it's fun to watch yeah. but like if you actually want to learn something yeah mm-hmm. watching the women's game is uh, for sure more beneficial yeah definitely and that's coming and like it seems over the years like the, you're kind of getting more exposure and more people and throwing money at it right rather than just like because that, that's the, the tough part about being on the women's side right it's like even to like the stats and stuff right I had no idea you guys didn't have stats until recently yeah, and exactly. Like, how, like, no, how is that even possible? Yeah, right? I know. Like, how we're, do you, I mean, but, we're the we're the the best tour in the world, yeah. the best female golfers, and yes, we haven't had more than you know how many fairways, greens, right. and how many putts you have. I mean, that's yeah. the most basic. Uh, so yeah, finally, we're starting to have some some better stats, but it's still not nowhere near the level of the men's game, mm-hmm. and it's just because everything costs money, and we just yeah. don't have uh, the same kind of funds. Right. Uh, but it, it's sad because it's. It's also like that, like, with more funds, like, yeah, probably more sure. people would pay attention, but yeah, yeah. no one's going to pay attention until right. like, the, the money is there kind of thing. But we're, we're for sure going in a good direction, mm-hmm. probably just a little slower, at a slower yeah. pace than we all wish. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we got to talk about it. You're a major winner. That's right. Um, in a playoff, too. A long playoff. Right? Against some other, like, I mean... NB is like the best putter in the world, yes. right? Like, uh, so like it's robotic. <laughs> I mean, I think at the time she wasn't world number one at the time yeah. uh, when I beat her, but she had been world number one mm. for a long time. I think she had six or seven majors under her belt. She had won the Olympic gold in Rio, and I was there. It's like my eighth, ninth season mm-hmm. on tour. hadn't had a win yet. Um, at any level as a professional golfer uh, so it was no question about who the underdog was <laughs> but you won you have that trophy yes uh, that uh, I'd always said before like when I walk into my home at 
like at home in Florida, I don't really want it to look like a golfer's place. Like if someone walks in, like, you know, they, they wouldn't guess like yeah. what I was doing. I'm like, I don't want any golf stuff out, but yeah, that trophy is uh, for sure on display. Yeah. Tell, so tell me about that week. Where, where'd you guys play? Um, I mean, how were you feeling going into the week? Like, oh, I want to, I mean, you can yeah. nerd out on this, like, <laughs> you know. So um, it was the A&A Inspiration and mm-hmm. I played in Palm Springs, the Dinah Shore course at uh, Mission Hills. Uh, the event... I think this year now in 2022 is like the 51st year uh, that that event is there. So it's on the women's side, it's really the one event event. with like the, the longest standing traditions. Mm -hmm. Like we don't have Augusta, but that event has kind of been as close as we get uh, on the women's side. So even, even before my win, if someone asked me my favorite tour stop, I always said there. And like people now are like, oh, of course you're gonna say that because you won. But I'm like, no, I actually have always loved that place. It's Palm Springs, uh, end of March, just perfect time of the year. Uh, Weather is so good. Course just always fit my eye. I tend, like the the fairways tend to be quite narrow with Mm -hmm. thick rough. And for some reason, I always hit it straighter there off the tee than any other week. I just got so kind of focused in that week and always loved the greens Mm -hmm. and always putted well there. So I think I had maybe like three top 20, top 25s, uh, at least in that major leading up to my win there. And uh, then that season so this was 2018 two weeks before we played in phoenix and i finished almost dead last after two rounds like i missed the cut by i don't know how many Mm. i i was just i was playing terrible my coach flew in from sweden that weekend to kind of start our major prep and i mean he was planning on watching me in phoenix that week then we're gonna uh you know do some work uh, after but Right away, that whole weekend when I missed the cut in Phoenix, we probably spent like eight hours on the driving range Saturday, eight hours on the driving range Sunday. We were grinding so hard. I'm like, okay, I need to get back to where I'm actually somewhat in control of the golf ball. Right. And then two weeks later, um, I stood there as a major champion. So it was, I mean, it's just funny. I mean, that just shows how quickly this game can kind of turn around. Mm-hmm. Um, and Going into the week, like I, I start, then I play. I played another event the week in Southern California. They went the week before, and I really felt my game was trending in the right direction. My coach flew home, uh, so he wasn't there the week of uh, the the major championship. But you know, I felt really good mm-hmm. about the game early in the week, like Monday, Tuesday practice rounds. It was like it felt kind of scary good. I'm like this, like I said, like. I, I feel so good about how I'm hitting it now. I just want to start playing like right now. Right. Before I lose this again. Yeah. And then it's easy to get your expectations up when you feel that good about your game. So I remember like Pro-Am Wednesday, I didn't play as good. And I feel like that, that almost helped me because that kind of mm-hmm. took like, it kind of brought the expectations down a little bit again. Then just went out and... Thursday started the week with I think it was a 65 seven under and then I was in the lead from Thursday onwards so I got to sleep on the lead Thursday night Friday night Saturday night and then Sunday um I obviously ended up in the playoffs so then got to sleep on it like one more night and so many people have asked me they're like how did you sleep that Sunday night you must have like did you get any sleep and I'm like I actually slept really good but that was 
because I'd already been sleeping on the lead right. for the last three nights, if I hadn't had that experience, it probably would have been very different uh, going to sleep on Sunday yeah. night. But I'm like, you know what? I've done all the hard work to get into this playoff now that I have nothing to lose. And it also helped that it was in B Park that I played against mm-hmm. uh, and not like a less experienced player because I'm like, I'm not going to sit around and wait for her to make a mistake because she's yeah. not going to. Right. I'm going to have to step up and do something. And that yeah. kind of helped my mindset too. Um, eight holes, right? Yeah. So we played four uh, holes on on Sunday, and the fourth one it was it was dark. Yeah. Like we probably should never have played that. That's one, what TVs don't do it justice, right? Yeah. Like that's I'm, the people exactly. it's hard we to do. We always make fun of the commentators yeah. saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's it's darker than it actually looks." It was so dark. So the 18th hole there is a par five. Mm-hmm. And once it go, the sun goes down in Palm Springs behind the mountains, like it goes it's really gone. fast. Yeah. So they asked us after, I guess, three playoff holes, like, do you want to play one more? It was up to me mm-hmm. and Imbi. And I think we were both so in the moment, just wanting to win it right there and then that we're like, yes, yeah. both of us. Like, right. But by the time it's a par five, so by the time they shuttle us back to the tee, mm-hmm. hitting a drive, it was straight into the wind, so no one, none of us could reach it. We're laying up. And it's a lot later, like it's so dark. Yeah. So thanks to the uh, electronic scoreboard on 18, that gave us some light. They brought in like another couple of lights too. But I'm looking back at it, I'm so glad that we both made par mm-hmm. and moved on. Cause I feel like if Losing someone would have like won it or lost it in the yeah. dark, it would have kind of been controversial. Like they shouldn't have played, like it wasn't fair. Right. So it, it worked out good and then it came back Monday morning. Now we're finally playing the tenth hole because we so we played eighteen four times on mm-hmm. on Sunday, and it's I mean it's a sudden death. So we keep going. We play ten, seventeen, eighteen, eighteen. I had I actually reached it in the morning, uh, but three putted. I mean I was a long way yeah. from the hole, but and a tricky first putt. But I probably had about an eight footer for with a chance to win there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was the seventh playoff hole. Missed it. That like, was the. Is it there? Do you think it's going in like one of those, or no, you're like, ah? It was, it was like, th- it was the first three putt of the week for okay. me. It was the first like bad nervy stroke all week. Yeah. It wasn't a very good putt, and um, and then the next hole we're back on the tenth again, eighth playoff hole. Uh, I drain a thirty footer. Yeah. And it, and I can still not celebrate because Imbi has a shorter bird, birdie right. putt and. She is. Do you use like fist pump? Are you going crazy? Yeah, I like I did a I did a fist pump, but like kind of stone face. Like I'm like yeah. I walk straight over to my golf bag, get my water bottle, like try to get my heart rate down. In my mind, I'm like, okay, you know, it's in like, She's it's making in this. She's yeah. gonna hold this. You know, I can't take anything out, and um, she missed it. So yeah. that's when oh, it still gives me chills. It's oh, so it's cool. awesome. Uh, yeah, I turn around to my husband, uh, fiance at the time. Uh, He's caddying for me, and I just looked at him, and I'm like, we did it. We effing did it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, yeah. all I'm, like, looking at. And yeah. it was it was so cool because I didn't think many people would come out Monday morning. Uh, I'm like, mm. people are back to work. And when we showed up at 8 a.m. that Monday morning, the 10th hall, it was people all the way down. And I had so much local support 
because I mean Americans in particular they love an underdog story always uh, so it was it was so cool uh, some of my friends had they extended their stay like some of the other players some of my closest friends on tour yeah. they were still there and my parents were over from Sweden that week too That's uh, so then we got they drove us back to the 18th green and we got to do the famous uh, leap into Poppy's yes. Pond yes uh huh how was the, did you and Daniel do that together? And my parents. And your parents? So, yeah. Oh, brilliant. So it was the four of us. It was yeah. so funny. So my parents, Is it cold? No, it okay. felt great. If yeah. it had been like after the first playoff You'd hole, maybe yeah. like a Monday morning, it would have yeah. felt a little chilly. But I mean, we, we had been playing for an hour. It felt good. Yeah. But it was so funny. So Daniel and I must have been on one golf cart. My parents must have gotten back to the 18th green quicker than we did. Mm. And like we haven't, I mean, I haven't talked to them about like Anything. jumping in. Yeah. They're standing there without their shoes. They're like ready. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and then as we're on the cart driving back to the 18th green, Daniel looks at me. He's like, "So, what are we doing? Like, what kind of jump?" I'm like, "I don't care. We're just jumping. Just, like, yeah, as fast and as like, far as possible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I put no thought into this. Yeah. He's like, "No, no, I'm diving." I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not, not like, no, 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 this like, is not. How very... deep is this pond right now? Like, mm. you don't want him to come up with a broken nose. Yeah, right? it's like four feet. So not diving, no, not it's, diving. It's yeah. like, they're pretty big signs where it's like no diving, no diving, yeah. like all along it. And, and little did I know at the time. So he slept terrible Sunday to Monday. Like he could not sleep. So he, at about three in the morning, apparently i mm. i'm a good sleeper so i yeah. didn't know any of this he woke up he didn't want to wake me up so he mm. went into the bathroom in our hotel room sitting in there googling like best jumps into poppy's pond <laughs> at 3 a.m in the morning so he's like <laughs> and he realized that no one has ever dove okay yeah so yeah. that's so he uh, he's in. like okay that's what that's what i'm gonna do he, and yeah. then he's like you have had four days on the golf course to shine like this is my moment uh, so uh, he um, and he said you know when i was a kid we used to go on uh, vacation to florida i would dive uh, in the pool and i learned how to shallow it out when it's when it's a shallow pool yeah. he's like so i've been practicing this he's like i didn't know what i was practicing for but he's like this is my moment so uh yeah me and my parents we kind of just jumped nothing special but yeah that was daniel's moment i have some excellent photos like still photos of like the whole the whole thing the whole thing brilliant what an experience right and, what yeah. feel, and the good thing is like to do that with i know daniel's your fiance at the time but husband's on the bag like yeah. that's special too oh, right it, like those memories last forever yeah exactly i mean it obviously it would be so special with anyone but it just i mean that just yeah. tops it off uh, so yeah to, it was pretty funny because people asked me like so how did you celebrate right after I'm like I won at like 9am on a Monday morning <laughs> so by probably yeah. it was probably 1pm when I've been doing media, media and all this stuff that I realized I'm like I'm kind of hungry so we drove to Chipotle and like <laughs> So uh, yeah, and like no one at Chipotle understands what you've been through that morning, no, exactly. right? You're just like, I'll take extra guac today because I just want a major. Like bank balance is going to be nice tomorrow yeah. morning. And and then we were we were gonna. I had an off week the week after, and we were gonna spend it in Scottsdale. Mm -hmm. So we're driving from Palm Springs to Scottsdale, about a four hour drive that afternoon. And if anyone has done it, it's it's just. Yeah. it's nothing there and I I'm keep getting these requests for interviews so it's like 
Okay, Daniel, whenever we do find cell service again, we need to yeah. stop and like knock a few a radio of these interview, interviews yeah. and phone calls out. Yeah. So on the tour stops then, like what do you guys do kind of, is there anything you do every week that's just like for fun, that's not like, you know, because you've got to kind of separate golf. You can't just like headspace for a golf for seven days is tough right yeah. you know like so what do you do for, uh, so uh, both me and my husband we we like being active mm-hmm. and doing outdoorsy stuff some hiking especially when we're on the west coast there's so much good hiking um, and then really over the last few years uh, I've been staying more in Airbnbs mm-hmm. uh, rather than hotels it's nice to have that extra space nice to have a kitchen so I'm doing a lot more cooking now and that's kind of like my quiet time to myself like even on the road like I you know I go do my grocery shopping plan for dinner and Mm. uh, and just hang out at the house but yeah then try and go and find some local coffee shops in whatever town we're at uh, that's kind of something else um, that we like doing but uh, yeah otherwise uh, the the day's kind of gets filled up with golf and then yeah if we can get you know a couple of um local experiences in just go and check out some um some stuff and me i i've been lucky my my husband is really good at always planning you know some extra stuff if it even is like during an off week to go somewhere for a few days while like you know while we're on the west coast let's go and check out a national park somewhere and uh, so i've been lucky too i feel like i've seen a lot more uh during my pro career than probably a lot of other players actually have yeah during the week uh you know, you're pretty obviously locked in, prep, getting in the golf tournament. When you're out there, I mean, are you, do you have, like, any favorite snacks you're on the golf course or anything that you, like, kind of get shipped in from Sweden that, like... Because European candy is much better than American candy. Chocolate's much better. Like, is there anything that you're like, hey, every few often I get a package from home? Because, I mean, I you do. Know, I get, like, two packages a year. Oh, lucky. Yeah, yeah. I'm very lucky. Uh, my no, it's... Whenever my parents come over, uh, my mom is always like, okay, what can I bring? Yeah. And... But... And I probably... I've been in the U.S. for 17 years now. Mm. It's almost half my life, yeah. uh, which is kind of scary. So, but Sweden is always going to be home. But for sure, when I earlier uh, in when, both when I was in college, but earlier in my pro career too, every time I went home, like I would stock up on certain mm-hmm. things. But I've been here for so long now that it's less and less of that. Like I've found, yeah. I guess the, the stuff that I like over here, but. Um, it's I'm I'm pretty conscious of what I eat, so like on the course it will be pretty boring, but you will see me out there with like fruit and hard boiled eggs and yeah. <laughs> and things like that. So not nothing special, but yeah, nothing beats uh, beats uh, Swedish candy or European chocolate. I'm yeah. with you there. And then during that week, like I guess as well as just golf in general, are you a kind of a golf nerd or you just feel get me out there? Don't really care for the numbers as much as like some of the more technical players. Yeah, I would say I'm for sure more feel in the aspect that I, I mean I do own a trackman, but sure. I I don't really even travel with it because I if I have it, it's easy to get too caught up mm-hmm. in the numbers uh, and. I like to try to do as much of my practice that I can when I'm home. So when I show up to tournaments, I'm really there for to learn the golf course and just be ready to play that week. Um, And it's, it's so, I mean, the longer you play this game, I feel like even if you are a field player, you get 
periods uh, where you just get too caught up in your swing and mm -hmm. trying to feel certain things. And that's that's not how I play my best golf. Uh, yeah. So uh, to try to really feel ready to go when I get there so I don't feel stressed over having to find my golf swing at the tournament mm -hmm. and then just really focus on, I mean, that week, it's putting a score on the scorecard and learning yeah. that course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Obviously, you, you know, like you said earlier, and I got to see it firsthand yesterday, putting is like your strength. And I think, and we chatted a little bit about it yesterday. I mean, I'm a field putter as well, but obviously you did a little bit of um, aim point yesterday as well. For those people listening out there who are like the average golfer, so take us through like your pro putting process. Yeah. So I would say when I was in college, my putting was very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And I was for sure not the strength of my game. And my second year on tour, so we're talking 2011 now, I started to work with a putting coach for the first time in my life. His name is Jon Carlsen. I still work with him. He's Norwegian, uh, but he's uh, actually worked for the Swedish Golf Federation mm -hmm. for a long time now. And he broke it down so simple for me. He kind of said, okay, we're going to check if you can aim where you're trying to aim. Mm -hmm. If you can start it on that intended line, if you can do those two things, I do not care what your stroke looks like. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, it, it's actually like the stroke doesn't have to look a specific way if I can do those two things. And that just freed me up so much. And then he said, okay, if we can check those two boxes, and he said, we have very simple tools to be able to check those mm. each and every day and just stick to those basics. He said, then all we need to work on is speed and green reading. Mm -hmm. And that's the way he broke that down. And that really took me from this yeah, inconsistent putter to one of the best putters on tour. Yeah. Uh, and that was, yeah, it just freed me up so much. So, I mean, for... Since I started, yeah, I started working with him in 2011. I would say the first five, six, seven years, mm -hmm. there's not a day of me playing or practicing where I didn't check my alignment and check my ball start. Mm -hmm. Like I had two simple drills to do it. What are the drills? Uh, so the checking the alignment, uh, I need someone there, which as a sure. professional golfer, it's, it's, I, I yeah. always have someone there, which is lucky. So it would be, we had the, just a little plate that, so I line up to the ball, uh, my caddy will roll the ball away, put this plate up against my putter, mm -hmm. uh, and then I take the putter away. We use a string now to see where is this plate aiming mm -hmm. and just check it with the string. Okay, I mean, yeah. I might do like three putts yeah. each day, but just to calibrate that alignment. Right, yeah. And then for ball start, I, I've been using the, the Pelts uh, mm -hmm. putting tutor for so many years. Um, just has these two little marbles at the end. Yeah, I hate uh, that thing. <laughs> I, I always, hit, I always hit the right one, always. Okay, at least you're consistent. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I'm a, I push my putts. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, those you it, it will not be a day when you don't see me check those things. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that just gave me so much confidence, yeah. um, confidence for so many years. And then people are like, okay, so how do you practice green reading? Yeah. I mean, that's, like, what most amateurs, like, how do you practice it? And for me, it's like I try to practice as I play. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of just new putts not standing there hitting the same putt over and over uh, just to learn to see breaks yeah. um, and I've always relied heavily on my eyes I thought I've always called myself a good green reader where I just mm -hmm. I pick up slopes with my eyes and 
Uh, it's it's hard to say, but I mean, as as you get older and older, mm-hmm. your eyes don't get better. If, right. Like they yeah. they tend to get I'm worse. Quickly learning that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, that's why I started to experiment a bit with Aimpoint just in the last couple of months, mm-hmm. and. Uh, just because, yeah, the last two years, unfortunately, my putting has not been up to what I'm what I'm used to, uh, and that that's hard when you have relied on your putting for so many years and it's suddenly not there. It just puts a lot of pressure on the rest of your game. Yeah. You suddenly feel like you have to hit it so good to make mm-hmm. up for what you're suddenly lacking in putting. So uh, yeah, I I like the aim point so far. It just is a it's a simple system where it just. It makes for me. It's just a quick decision of line, and then you just try to hit a good putt on that line. Like yeah. it's no no doubt uh, what what I'm seeing with the green read, and um, so so that that's been kind of fun um, to to try to learn kind of a new system. But yeah, even before I would have green reading matches, very competitive green yeah. reading matches with my putting coach. So we have a, a water level out on the green, and I mean we're we're doing these green reading matches down to. Um, a tenth of a degree so like we'll pick a putt or and we used to pick just like three mm-hmm. or four footers so they're short and it's like halfway point to the hole uh. a quick like quick look and then we're both guessing and i would say i was like okay i'm thinking it's um 0.7 degrees right to left and he was like oh i think it's 0.5 and then we put the level down it's like we yeah. do green i mean and when i do a lot of that i just calibrate my eyes and get really sharp at picking up those little slopes and so yeah that's uh, it was really thanks to him uh, keeping the, the putting very simple and kind of knowing uh, what to look for and never really working that much on the actual stroke when I like when I can take those two boxes of alignment and ball start yeah yeah that's that's a lot of valuable information for any golfer that's <laughs> listening uh, I'm gonna replay that one back I might have to go get a level as well because my eyes are slowly dying and I have to play with glasses on and I don't like the idea of putting contacts in and fiddling with my eyes so that is uh that was awesome uh last thing then obviously you know we chatted yesterday and played yesterday a little bit about yesterday's event just for people listening and how important that kind of is for you to be a part of it the golf for africa uh charity that betty king started and good friend of ours kendall die is now president and and that's kendall's the reason i played yesterday and met you so thanks to kendall for that but tell us a little bit about kind of how you found out about golf for africa and then i mean that's the reason that you're in town this week is is to play in that event yeah uh, it really started i don't know exactly what year but if few years into my career on tour that Betsy approached me about coming to help out uh, raise money at one of her charity events Mm -hmm. and you know anytime you have kind of a a hall of famer come to to ask you something like that I'm like yes I will be there Uh, and um, you know there are a lot of different um, uh, professional golfers who have their foundations or different charity events but this one is one that uh, I really tried to support throughout my career because what I think Betsy is doing uh, with um, trying to you know just get clean water to um, mm-hmm. um, to Africa to right now Zambia is the, is, uh, the mission it's uh, I mean it's I it's it's very kind of black and white and like how you can help uh, it's no nothing kind of like iffy about it it's just it's so straightforward we all know like what clean water is and how important it is um so um it's every time betsy has been asking me to try to to come to some of her events i've been doing it and i did i played in one of her events up in new york earlier this summer Mm -hmm. and when i was there i heard kendall mention oklahoma city 
and like right away usually you know it's either like Betsy or Kendall will come and approach uh, us professional golfers like hey can you please come and help and I right away I was like Kendall can you please sign me up for Oklahoma City because I'm like that just gives me like a good reason an excuse to to come back to Oklahoma Uh, because every time I come to to Stillwater I'm like I should come back more often but it's just with my busy travel schedule it's just never and you're never really close to here no exactly and it's like it's not like we just happen to drive past ever Um, so uh, yeah very thankful that uh, I could kind of combine that event uh, with then coming up here and how well it fit into my schedule yeah awesome well thank you so much for taking some time out of your day Uh, for people listening how can they follow you what's your Instagram websites and stuff they can keep up with you yeah uh, Instagram is the easiest it's Pernilla Golf uh, and uh, that's where I'm the most active Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, easiest way to to get in touch with me send me a message there as well and my my husband uh, he he enjoys his uh, photography and cameras so you Usually it's him uh, behind the camera whenever I post something there. Yeah, awesome. You got you got his eye. Social's important now, right? It's good for marketing, good for branding. You got to do it. It is. Right? Uh, it's it's kind of a love hate uh, where you know it's. I felt like there were sim- more simple times uh, yes. bef- before social media, uh, but there's a lot of good stuff uh, from it as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, I had a blast playing golf with you yesterday. I did too. And it's so uh, much fun. Uh, it was really thanks to you that we walked away with the win. I kind of felt bad. <laughs> Kendall was like, oh, Mike won this and this, and he's on the winning team. I was like, well, I'm sorry. Um, and thanks for inviting me to play golf. <laughs> but I love that golf course. It's such a good golf course. I, I mean, I know that golf course really well because I used to work out there. So yeah, uh, thanks for showing me around because it was yeah. the first time I, I was out there at Oklahoma City yeah. um, Country Club. So, awesome. Uh, that was fun. Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, for people listening, I'll post all the links to uh, Pernilla Socials and the Golf for Africa website in the description. You go check that out and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and finally our third sponsor for today the oklahoma 988 mental health lifeline 988 is the direct three-digit lifeline that connects you with the trained behavioral health professionals that can get all oklahomans the help that they need learn more by visiting 988oklahoma.com It's 988oklahoma.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.